Hey, before we get stuck in, I wanted to let you know that if you're listening in 2019, the next meetup will be on the 10th of October at 6.30pm in Dogpatch Labs in the vaults. So that's in the door, past reception and down the stairs. We've two talks lined up, one from Kev Ryan, Hwai Houdini, and one from Mario Domingos on using R&D as your art piece. So if you're looking to get into Houdini or Cinema 4D, I'd definitely come along and check them out. Anyway, on with the show. Hello there, welcome to the 3D Meetup Podcast. For this episode, we sat down with Brian Gilmore. Brian has been in the animation industry for 30 years. He's the head of CG and technology in Boulder Media's feature division. We talked to him about how he got into the industry and the changes he's seen since then. We touch on some of the challenges and the opportunities that lie ahead for the Irish animation and VFX industry, and where we stand on an international stage. You will hear some crackling throughout this episode. It's not your headphones, we had a technical issue with one of the mics. But we felt this episode was too good not to release. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. So I'm here with Brian Gilmore. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Hi, how are you? Can you tell us a bit about yourself? I'm Brian Gilmore. Um, I'm currently the head of CG and technology in Boulder Media on the uh, feature division. So I've been tasked with looking after the and building a CG feature studio for Boulder Media. Nice. Do you want to let people know how you got into the industry? Sure. So, yeah, so... I'm actually this summer 30 years in the industry. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're supposed to say, no, no, you couldn't be possibly old enough to do that. <laughs> but uh, back in the day when I started, um, I did a one-year foundation course in Ballyfermot. That's all that really existed in animation. They hadn't got their degree courses or anything up and running. This was, this was 30 years ago. Um, and then at, by the end of the year, Murakami Wolf had just come over and they were like, hey, you know, we need people. We don't care. <laughs> Have you, can you spell animation? Great. You've got a job. So we, they just scooped up the whole class and took us on. And we were, at the time, we were making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Nice. So that's how I started. Um, I really had no idea what animation really was, even though I'd done this foundation course, which consisted of life drawing and going to the zoo and things like that. So it was, we didn't learn any of the real principles and stuff like that. Um, I was a very average artist, so I tended to move into more the sort of technical end of things um, and a, a department at the time was a, a department called animation checking so it was you literally did quality control on the uh, the artists in betweens and and animation um, and then did camera moves but it was all hand-drawn it was cell painting and it was stuck under a rostrum camera etc so it was all very old school so I worked there for a couple of years um, then there was a there was a kind of a resurgence of animation at the time that you know in Ireland so Sullivan Bluth were around and there was a couple of other companies that were starting so I bounced around a few different studios um, doing it checking then I did the the old let's go travel the world bit so I went to Australia and worked for Disney TV while backpacking um, I ended up going to Germany to work on a Asterix film for six months as well. So Asterix in America, terrible movie, but you know, there you go. <laughs> but I loved Asterix, absolutely loved the books, still do, and there's some great Asterix yeah. movies coming out now. Mick Ross are doing a brilliant job on that. Um, and then um, I ended up, one one of the jobs I ended up going to is to work at the end of Space Jam for oh, Warner Brothers. Right. Um, they needed animation checkers. They needed everybody, to be honest. They were in a real crunch 
um, and they were headhunting people from around the world. So I built up some connections and actually worked with somebody in Australia that was working in Warner's in LA at the time. And they rang me up and said, would you like to come over? And I was like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> so that was a crazy sort of five, six months, lived in a hotel next door to the studio, worked seven days a week. Um, brilliant experience paid very very well <laughs> and ended up coming back with a deposit for my house <laughs> out of it wow. so it was but it was great and you know but that was kind of the end of the old way of doing things um they had on space Jam, they had gotten into digital ink and paint systems they still hand drawn of course but it was uh then scanned in t- into uh an animo system it was called uh by cambridge animation systems so it was scan and then you would digitally paint it so when I came back, I was, you know, the industry had slowed down uh, in Ireland. Um, Blutes had disappeared, <laughs> gone off to Arizona. Um, and I got hooked up with the guys down in Brown Bag. So I met up with uh, Cahill and Dara. Um, that was 1997. I think yes because I was 20 years with brown bag so they were thinking of investing in a digital ink and paint system and I was like oh I've heard of this digital ink and paint system I had, I had no idea how to use it yeah um it was brand new but went off so we talked and I, I had a good um knowledge of the processes and what was it so it was, in those days if you knew what you were kind of doing well then you know you could learn the new the new system because it was the new age of you know digital um still 2d still you know old school so went off and did a one-week course in cambridge uh and animo systems became ireland's expert in a week because <laughs> that's how it was done in those days um and that was the beginning of my career in brown bag um so as you know kind of employee number two or three when it was with brown bag we we grew and grew and grew and as as brown bag grew we brought in more departments you know and and spread out at one stage we said well why are we spending all our money in these post-production facilities why don't we get our own production post-production uh, system or editing system and we were like okay who knows how to work that i don't know i'll read the manual and see how i get on so all of a sudden i became an editor for a while and then you know IT department became a thing because all of a sudden it was everything was on computers and how do you network these things? So we had some friends that kind of set up, but I, I ran that for a few years. You know, as it grew, you kind of adapted and became, okay, well, what's... You were working on software that had version one, so After Effects side of version one, and you know, Photoshop version one. These It was very early days, great pieces of software, still around today, but... um kind of constantly evolving and bringing in people um, to to fill up those departments as it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Brown Bag obviously grew into the, the huge studio it is today. So, you know, we got into long form. We got CG people in, went from 2D to 3D, um, oversaw a lot of that, um, managed, you know, the technical departments, the pipeline, etc. you know, I would. I ended up more managing them than than being the expert because at that stage, you know, you couldn't be the expert in everything, and there was a lot more clever people out there. And going, oh, I, you, know, you soon realize, hang on a second, you know, I'm not the expert, and I'm not going to be able to be the expert in all these things. So it's more about 
surrounding yourself with clever people that are the experts uh, and making sure they're happy and giving them a good environment. And that's, to be honest, this is how I've always... Uh, that's my philosophy on how to how to build teams and how to and how to work and manage people is you know you employ them for a reason because they're they're good at what they do so you, you don't you know try to micromanage them get them in surround yourself with clever people and you know that makes your job a whole lot easier so you know entrust them empower them it's it's great so spent many years in brown bag building it you know going from you know two or three people all the way up to i believe there are about 300 in smithfield but probably four or 500 worldwide at this stage um i moved into producing the last few years of my career there um did a couple of shows that i was very familiar with from a technical point of view and a post-production point of view it, it, within brown bag so i produced season of octonauts and i uh, produced a season of a show called butterbean butterbean's cafe i think it's called didn't see to the end of that one i left halfway through that one but um so yeah so it, it was time to go it was 20 years it was time for a new challenge time to move on um so um the i'd i'd known rob cullen for many many years uh we'd worked together way before my time in 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 brown bag and it was we actually lived quite close to our <laughs> kids go to the same school so i was like talking to him about how things were going there and they'd just been bought out by Hasbro so yeah. I was like oh okay well maybe I'll, I'll maybe there's opportunities there and he says well funny you should say that he says we, we've just been asked to set up a feature studio um Boulder were are known for and were at the time for their 2D yeah. uh, pipeline and projects very mature pipeline doing some great stuff but they'd never really done any CG work and certainly hadn't done any uh, feature film work um, so fantastic opportunity fantastic challenge so hopped on board two and a half years ago to build up the features side of the business uh, from scratch um, and that's where I am today nice. <laughs> so that's you kind of, I kind of fell into the industry I suppose um, and just found my way uh, as I said I did I never had any great plans of what I was going to do. I just, you know, evolved into the where I am as a, you know, kind of a, a manager in a tech. I don't have any formal training in, you know, IT or computer science and things like that. But, you know, in the early days, there was no such thing as courses in these things. You just grabbed the manual when they actually printed out manuals and went, OK, let's read this. We'll go. I spent many a, a bus journey reading manuals on pieces of software and finding it out. But it's, you know, it's it's a good way. Throw yourself in the deep end, figure it out. Um, and I think that's how a lot of the pioneers of CG um, animation also yeah. found their way into it. Because it was know. so new back then, wasn't yeah. it? Everything yeah. Was well, if you, if you think how relatively new CG and 3D animation is, you know, Toy Story is what, 20 years old, give or take? You know, uh, you know that's it. It's within my career, you know, there it's gone from sticking it under, you know, a, a rostrum camera, you know, to, you know, everything being created within this sort of digital world and photorealistic things. It's like, it's, it's pretty incredible that that's happened and only evolving quickly and qu yeah. quicker and quicker. It must've been pretty cool to see that evolve as, as like being part of it and, and watch the technology kind of grow and everything. It was cool, but scary. <laughs> but I, again, I don't think we ever thought about too much about it because 
it was just you know as as a business grows, particularly in Brown Bag, the guys were very good at at you know identifying what the next big thing was. I mean, we're you're you're lucky, and you, you if you have a talent to attract you know people from abroad, that might give you a chance to work on the next big project. Um, the guys in Brown Bag were never scared about you know evolving and and saying, okay, well, you know, let's try this, let's see how we can do this. Um, so you, that was that was. A big deal, um, and then we kind of look back now and go, "Wow, that's that that's how that happened." I, did we plan that? I'm sure there was some planning in it. Of course, it was, but it's like it's um, it you, you kind of just you kind of just make sure that you're open minded about things. Um, unfortunately, I do know you know I remember back to those early days of where you had people that were traditional artists and stuff, and a lot of them got left behind because they didn't adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, they just were no, no, no. This is only a fad. Where they, they'll come looking for you know traditional animators or traditional this and traditional painters and stuff. And they just never, they didn't in time get back onto this. You know, we need to get used to this newfangled thing called a computer or this. And it was it was a shame because it was some incredibly talented artists that fell out of the industry and, as far as I know, never got back into it. Yeah. So it's. It, it's I wonder, could you actually talk about where the industry is now? Sure, yeah. So we're we're at another golden age at the moment in in animation. It's 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 never. I've never seen it so busy. I've never seen such a demand for content, which is brilliant. <laughs> you know, happy days. But you know, what's great is, is you know, it's it's a real career for people now. You can look at it and go, you know what. You know, you don't have to convince your parents. No, no, this is actually, I can make a living out of this. It, it is, there is such a demand, but it, the demand is not driven by any one stream. You know, you've got TV, you've got feature films, you've got VFX coming from broadcasters, you know, your traditional broadcasters, your traditional distribution arms, but also you've got all the, you know, um, streaming services coming on board, which are obviously the future. Um, so your your Netflixes of the world are absolutely driving content, and they can't get enough of it. To be perfectly honest, so which is great. So that means that people can plan out and and grow their studios. Um, what we need to do is make sure that we can accommodate that. Um, the you know there's. Even in the what I suppose we're all using the sort of the same kind of technologies, and that's why we, we all sort of there's a gray area where we drift in 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 between the different um, I suppose the different types of studios out there. So, particularly in the CG end of things, you're you're taking artists that could be working on a VFX movie, you know, blowing up Manhattan or something like that, and then working on a nice fluffy <laughs> CG uh, preschool animation series over there. So. Um, it's it's good, but the demand is huge for talent, and that's that's one of the problems which we can I'm sure we'll talk about later. But it's but uh, it it is as I said, it's a golden age which I don't see disappearing soon because it it isn't a bubble. I don't I don't think it's a bubble, and I don't think anybody else out there. It's not like oh god, if so and so decides to not fund any more of this, there's other people out there. You know, you look at the big names behind the the streaming services um, and what they're looking for um and then you look at tv tv's not going to go away you know it's been around and you know or tv con tv type content and then name name a, a movie or a, almost a tv series that doesn't have some kind of visual effects shot in it now be it obvious or hidden 
you know they everything has that so it's just great you know that's driving innovation and it's driving you know the demand for for these vfx and animation studios um so that's great there's a huge huge demand ireland has now become a hub of animation um it has always been kind of known for the last 30 40 years as, as an animation place i suppose creatively it's in our blood um but we you know we've struggled with how do you fund that and you know we've had to have the sort of the american money or the american studios come in to train us up with the blutes etc um and Morikami Wolf, which <laughs> trained me. Um, but I think now with the sort of the homegrown studios that did it on their own with no money and struggled through and built up their reputation, sure, they now have backing. A lot of them have backing from big money. You know, Boulder obviously has Hasbro behind them um, and Brown Bag had uh, Nine Story behind them. So it's that's great because that gives stability and means they can grow um, but we need to be able to sustain that growth. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's challenges there about... Can you talk about some of those challenges then? Yeah, like the challenges is, is I suppose, the, the biggest challenge is finding the talent. You know, Ireland is a small country. Um, and no matter how, how many people we get from colleges, um, we could talk about colleges again about, you know, they got left behind the colleges because for so long there was no industry here and now it's 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 exploding so they have to catch up and it's very hard because it's that life cycle of bringing people in and you know having the right curriculum etc um they are and then the industry has been talking to them a lot about what's needed um but you know they have to they have their red tape to get through i suppose um and they're they're listening now and but it'll take a time for them to produce enough to feed the beast that is the hundreds of people we need um we have to attract people in from from abroad it is just that and you know half the studios half the people in the studios are from abroad if not more like uh, the demographic i know on the feature side of things here we i think we did a count the other day and it was like with 22 nationalities uh with about 150 people here at the moment uh, and that's so you know i'd say the irish are in the minority at this stage you know um which is fine it's great but that's yeah again if you want sustainability that is not going to do it so we need to figure out how do we uh, train to an appropriate level the talent that has to be in ireland and it is in ireland but it's just they're not ready yet and they're not given the right opportunities colleges and the studios have a you know have a responsibility to work together to do that it can't be just you know pushed onto one or the other but you you know from traveling the world and going on recruitment drives this is a worldwide problem you know this isn't unique to ireland at all um you certainly go to some of the bigger hubs of say the vfx industry so you go to vancouver montreal canada canada's obviously ballooned uh, and exploded because 
a lot of the production has been pushed out of America and into Canada, which with their tax breaks, etc. Um, and they are struggling, and they're you know they'll give their right arm to get people at the moment. You know, and, and these are big, big studios that have incredible reputations, but they still struggle all the time um, just to find enough staff. But then again, you look at the size of the studios, and they might have a thousand plus people. Um, you know, you could be working on the next Star Wars movie, next Marvel movie, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think it's realistic that we can kind of compete with that sort of? I think we need to find what our unique selling point is and what we are. I, we're, I don't think we're ready to compete in the big VFX type movies. Um, for that, you know, you would. <sighs> I suppose you would, you'd have to have big studios, you have to have big money behind them. You know, why come here? Although Brexit might help us with that. There, obviously, London is a massive hub for that. Um, and a lot of Irish talent went there and we have some of that talent back here now uh, working for us. But, uh, you know, that might help us, but it's it's it would take a lot to, you know, attract that. It doesn't mean it's impossible. We certainly have favourable tax breaks, Um I think the problem would be is convincing one or two of them to come and seeing what makes it different and then having that pool of talent uh, because you do need a pool of talent. You you need people that need to be able to work in a movie, then go across the road and work in that other movie and then come back again. You know, it's a transient kind of industry now. Uh, You don't go and work in a studio for 10, 20 years. That's, you know, absolutely not the norm anymore. Uh, what we've seen um, now is that the the younger generation, because I'm not that old now, is that um, they they don't want to to be tied down to any one thing. They they will follow projects, but they'll also follow experience, life experiences, and I would encourage that. You know, I was young, I travelled as well. You you want to go around the world and see what it's like in Vancouver, see what it's like in. Germany, we see what you know, just see the different studios, how they do things, but also following, yeah. Oh, I really want to work in that Star Wars movie. Everybody wants to work in a Star Wars movie, don't they? I don't know, <laughs> but that that's it. So, um, you need to sort of have that critical mass where people can move from studio to studio to studio because it's it's very difficult to you know come into a country one if it's fine if you're an EU citizen, but if you're not, and we have plenty of people that aren't that have you know visas and that it takes time and money um and you know and then it's expe- let's face it dublin has become very very expensive so you know we're we're struggling with that i think that's that's a problem um so you you've got to convince people people do want to come to dublin you know sometimes i forget that i'm from i've lived in dublin most of my life i'm from dublin so it's like i go yeah why would you want to come here it's it's rainy and you know the Beer is expensive and stuff, but it's like, but it actually is a, a very nice city to come to, and a lot of people will be very keen to come and experience Ireland. But we we've got to make sure that then their experience when they get here is an enjoyable experience. Yeah, to hold on to them. Yeah. So you know, and then you know, I I'm a big advocate of of sharing the talent around and and, and getting people to stay in Ireland uh, for longer. But you can't guarantee work in in studios, and there's there'll be downtimes and stuff. So you really want to have that sort of, you know, enough studios at a, at a you know a certain level or a certain skill set that they can go to and find work somewhere else, and then come back to you and stuff. So you yeah. know you want to get um, 
that will be difficult, I think, in, the, in, yeah. in Ireland because of of, the, of our size at the moment. But do you, do you think it will happen, or is I'd like it? I would like it to happen, and I, but I think it it won't happen on its own. I think it will need a concerted effort from government bodies, from the industry itself, Animation Ireland, or you know VFX Ireland, whatever. I. I those bodies exist, but I don't know if it, they are uh, completely focused on growing the business. You know, they, they, they seem quite fractured still. And I think because everybody is looking out for their own interests, really, you know, if you've grown your company from nothing to this, you, you know, your number one priority is making sure your company still survives. But I think if we really want then we put our minds to it and we want and put our some of our differences aside we could sort of sell ireland as ireland inc you know as a as a as, as a place to come and there's been talk about that um more and more um particularly as you know it becomes more attractive to you know possibly the bigger players that want to look to look at it you know an alternative to london or all you know every big bubble is only as good as what made it a bubble. You know, uh, Vancouver and Canada is is built on a lot of tax breaks and uh, you know, and the obviously close proximity to LA and 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 New York and stuff like that, where they pushed out because it became too expensive to to make it there. But you know, if the tax regime changes or if it just becomes too expensive, then they'd be looking for the next big. You know, and I think Europe. There are certain places in Europe that could become those, you know, so why shouldn't Ireland? Because we, we have a very favourable tax uh, incentive here. So Outside of the tax incentive, because that could disappear, yeah. what other selling points does Ireland have as an industry? I, th- I think it's... I th- I think it's really about how we go about things. I, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a work-life balance. Um, we have a certain mentality, you know, Obviously, there's the English speaking, which makes a huge difference for if you're dealing with, you know, Americans uh, and American uh, properties, etc. Because, you know, they don't like to speak Spanish. (laughs) You know, know, it's a big selling point. Um, You know, it's not the worst time zone in the world. So you can, you know, we and we do it here in Boulder. We were on on calls all the time um, to L.A., yeah, and we work hand in hand with them, even though there is that time difference. But it's not the worst time difference in the world. Um, but I, I think it's the way we go about things, and it's the cultural thing. So you know, obviously we have talent and we have storytelling abilities. You know, that's that's been proven, and maybe that's what really has you know, is driving some of the unique things. You look at what Cartoon Saloon are doing with their, you know, it's telling their amazing movie stories and stuff like that. So it's like. Obviously, we know how to tell a tale, but um, there's got to be talent there. There's gotta be, but it's, I think you know we're also we're 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 just. I feel that we're very willing to learn and get and get in and you know just grow and you know grab it. Um, but I you know it's people would like to come here and work. I think and I, and we don't want to kill people <laughs> in work and we don't want you know it, we value. Uh, I suppose our employees and we and we value that work life balance. Yeah. So I think that I think that's important, you know. And I I've always emphasized that it's like you people need to enjoy their work, you know. And, it, and that's um, the second you don't enjoy it, 
is the day you start questioning really is this what i want to do because let's face it we're making cartoons for a living so if you can't enjoy that well then gee but good, good luck you know we're not saving lives here we're not you know so no one died <laughs> this is a, so you know we we have to make sure that we 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 enjoy that and, and we remember that uh you know and i but i also believe you get the best out of people if they really are enjoying their work yeah. you know it's you know a stressful situation will will sort of clam up a you know creative industry you know it's you've got to get those creative juices flowing and it's you know shouting them about a deadline or a schedule isn't going to make them any more creative it's just going to put them probably a bit more angry <laughs> yeah. yeah and you lose the, the talent then because they're too they're under too much pressure yeah and and you know we got to be very careful um as I said, they're very. It's very transient. There's a huge amount of opportunities out there, and if you are young, free, and single, and can pack your bag and head off, there is so many opportunities in the world at the moment, uh, which is fantastic. You know, you've never seen. Uh, I can't get over how many feature films have been made at the moment. Now, I think that may change because a lot of them are not doing so well and I'm kind of questioning why did they make that <laughs> but, so I think that's a bit of a trend because you know the money has been made available to them um, none of them are cheap to make but they're getting cheaper um, and certainly some of the European ones are you know can be made quite reasonably but I you know I, I suppose ultimately it's a business so if they don't you know make money at the end of the day somebody's going to go I'm not going to fund any more of these because that last one was terrible <laughs> but um, but it's you know every 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 second week there's a there's a, another movie coming out and in, into the cinema which is which is great for the industry but yeah we'll see we'll see if that's sustainable but I think there's so many other areas that that, that, that it can be sustained that I'm not worried about that yeah, what about the future? So if the feature films do kind of die away, will they be replaced by kind of Netflix or something else? Or? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, you know, traditional broadcasters had and traditional distribution channels had very set ways. Um, so, you know, it had to be a, either, you know, a, a TV series of 26 by 11 minutes to fit into that slot. And then you had to have your ad breaks, etc. Um, your movie had to be this length and stuff shorts disappeared for so many years and now you look at what netflix did even with you know that um love hate what was it called love death and robots is that what it's love death and robots there you go and they were great some of them i didn't like some of them i absolutely loved so but it's you know that is you can see well now that could be the resurgence and then i just saw at annecy this year is the looney tunes shorts Mm. are back so warners have pumped a ton of money God knows how much it cost, but it wasn't cheap because they went back and did a very old school, very traditional animation, but obviously done digitally, hand-drawn and digitally, um, and just got some amazing animators to work on these. And the love and the the feel of them is, is real old school, what I grew up with. And I watched, they showed, you know, half a dozen of them uh, at Annecy, at a showing and they were brilliant real belly laugh out loud stuff so but you know a few years ago no because where where were you going to show these where were you, how are you going to make money on these what what are, the, what are these for but obviously there's now people feel that there's a need uh, for this content out there because they can put them online they can i, I don't know how they're i don't know what their strategy is to make money of those but they, but they wouldn't they, have made it they wouldn't have made it they wouldn't they're, they're smart people so they're, they're not going to spend that kind of money 
and not have a plan out to do it. So I think there will always be feature films, but I also think there's a, there's a, there's a market for different types of feature films out there, which we've seen, you know, a lot of 2D or stylized movies coming out. They've gotten away from how do we make the shiniest CG movie out there, which was a, you know, a, a big trend for a long time because you had your DreamWorks and your Pixar and Disney's, you know, really paving the way to the incredibly polished looking CG animation. And they were great stories because they were able to do that. But it, it's not about that. You can, if if the story's good enough, it can be in a different style. It can be less polished. If it's engaging and if it's if it's funny or good, good story, people will go see it. They yeah. don't demand now, I don't think, to make it all shiny and, and the latest technology. Um, so I think that's a big change in, in the viewing audiences. Now, you could probably argue that kids of a certain age and families still want to have that shiny, but in the same way as they still want to go to the blockbuster and, and see the, the the next Marvel movie or Star Wars movie with things blowing up. But there is other outlets for these things, and that's the streaming services, etc. So there's kind of space for other things. Yeah, which is great because there's so many talented 2D artists out there, which, you know, and if you look back 10 years ago, oh, 2D is dead. You know, you're handing your pencils now and everybody needs to get into CG, which, which is complete... Uh, whoever thought that was a thing you know and it was like there's gonna be no 2d shows on on air anymore and i was like well actually you look at it now and it's like most tv shows are 2d and it doesn't matter there isn't that whole 2d versus 3d for it it doesn't exist i don't think anymore yeah it's it's about what's funny what's smartly written what's engaging um across the board so i you know i i don't I'm, i'm 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 not worried about the work drying up it's just about how the studios make sure that they attract the work and they get the work and you know it's it's about reputation and it's about being smart about how you go about it yeah so in an ideal world how could or how would you imagine the future of the irish industry playing out um i think i think we have to cement our our reputation I think we we need to make sure that you know we continue to deliver on on our shows and stuff. And you know, you know, I, there has been I haven't heard of anybody sort of defaulting on any shows, but it's happened in other countries. And you know, you always hear all the horror stories about certainly about feature films and things like that. But you know, we have a very good reputation about delivering high quality shows, uh, feature films, etc. You know be it our own properties or not, or doing for anything. Um, because, you know, bad news travels quickly. Um, but I, I think we do need to then build our reputation as a place to come and work. So we need to make sure that people want to work with us, want to come here. Um, and I said, it's, it's about treating the artists and the staff well. And, 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 you know, they are your best, biggest commodity. You know, you you can't do anything without it every studio is still very labor intensive there's a lot of people there still doing it. machines aren't doing it contrary to popular belief you know they can't get it all done by you know some ai robot <laughs> um so you know we, we need to make sure that we don't get a reputation for being sweatshops and you know things and you know there is certain 
territories in the world that you know have that and it's you know they build a business on that but it's you know it's not sustainable it, they they have their business model but we we come from i think from, from an angle of we won't be the cheapest in the world by any stretch of imagination that we're you know the cost of living obviously is way too expensive we need to have that set that quality bar and then obviously then portray ourselves as bringing our own ideas to the to the forefront as well as servicing you know bigger players from around the world that have the money to pump into and and you know give us the work um so you know i think that has to be um first and foremost is that you need to attract people across the board about it's it is a place to come and live you know kilkenny's a beautiful place we've got to make sure that when the, people can find accommodation people can you know get there easily and you know there isn't and there is i don't think there is problems with you know visas and and things like that. i think everybody has that kind of sewn up now then they've you know worked with the government bodies to to make that as smooth as it possibly can which is great but make sure that doesn't become an issue because you know there's nothing worse than all of a sudden finding you can't hire these people because it's taken six months to get a visa through. And you did them uh, last week. Like. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, yeah, we, we always need people yesterday. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's looking at that. But also we need to look and as studios innovate and, you know, and work together, I think, because there's, there's technically everything's evolving um, so I think that we need to be smart about that and wor- work collaboratively. Um, so learn from each other. You, you know what's best practices. What's who's done what out there, and you know because we're we're not in competition about the technology. We're not software vendors and stuff like that. We're you know we're filmmakers and you know creative. So if someone's come up with a good way of doing this, or you know they've learned from mistakes in this, like why not share that with your with other studios and why not help others. Uh, solve some problems they may be having that hasn't been the the norm up to now i think across the the world but what we're seeing now and i've seen this at definitely at seagraph a year ago um but you know at all the big uh conferences of the last is hollywood and the bigger studios are opening up as well to, to this so open source has become massive now and it's becoming legitimate so they they are opening up their tools and their proprietary software and releasing them out to the world. Um, Blue Sky announced last year, and I was even talking to the CTO, Hank, uh, he was saying, I'm going to make all our tools at Blue Sky available to the community. He says, says, we're filmmakers, we're not software vendors. So, you know, what goes around comes around. So he's hoping to learn from other studios uh, because it seems to be that we're reinventing the wheel over and over again you're coming across big problems you know particularly in the feature side of things where you know they have these very technical uh, pipeline issues and they may have solved it for a movie in dreamworks five years ago and then but you go someone else is in blue sky is trying to solve it now and in disney are trying to solve it again and it's like oh can we not just someone solve it once and not worry about it um and i think you know there's a bit of a backlash against some of the bigger software institutions out there that have a monopoly on the software i won't mention their names because i don't want to get blacklisted but uh you know the software isn't great it it works to a certain degree but it's full of bugs and it's it doesn't do everything and you know everybody has to do so much work to get it to, to do what we need so 
I think if Ireland as an industry can embrace that, I think that'll go a long way for us, you know, pushing forward to being able to sell ourselves as a as a legitimate global industry that will attract people. Um, It's tough out there. You know, you've got it. We all think when you go out there, well, of course they know who we are. And of course they've heard of our shows. And of course they've heard of our studio. No, when you go out to these festivals and you go, you go a little bit past, you know, uh, the Liffey, people are going, who are you now? What? I No, I've never heard of you. And yeah. How many people? Oh, you oh, you have hundreds of people working for you. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, but, you know, you've, so you've got to go out there and sell yourselves. Yeah. I suppose you can look at how, you know, the IGA and Enterprise Ireland have sold and got the pharmaceutical companies in and, and the tech companies, you know, it, in the same way as what attracted Google and Amazon and all those guys, I know there's financial reasons and, you know, of course it is, but they've also got to be other reasons why it's it's nice to set up in Dublin. So I think we've got to learn from those different industries and say, well, how can we do that uh, for the animation and BFX industry and games as well? You know, games is something I don't know a huge amount about, but it's obviously the skill sets are very similar and I think we need to not delineate between that we need to be you know sharing our experiences and help each other to grow that because and grow that talent pool yeah well. ultimately we're we're all creating cre- you know visual animation to a certain degree or whatever and, and stuff and then the skill sets and when we get into the sort of technical areas and the coding and stuff like that we're all using the same guys and after the same guys shall we say yeah can i ask um can i ask about boulder would you mind just talking? sure yeah so um like Boulder, as I mentioned earlier, was was bought by Hasbro three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, uh, the giant multi billion dollar toy company um, known for various properties. Uh, Transformers, obviously, they're one of the most famous, and you know, My Little Ponies, and you know, Little Pet Shops, Monopoly, things like that. <laughs> yeah, lots, lots, and lots of, 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 but they were like they're the biggest toy company in the world. Um, they are actively moving into the you know the entertainment industry for the IP they own. Um, so Boulder, first off, was there to service their TV work, you know, and the multiple shows going through. Um, but the the feature uh, which I was part of setting up is 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 was the next big step, um, and they have very grand plans for a slate of movies. Um, we're focusing on number one to get that over the line and there's been lots of delays but very much creative delays you know the whole thing of well we can't decide on the story and we're trying to figure it out so they that gave us time to build the studio which was great so i was thankful for that because <laughs> my initial schedule was very aggressive and I, you know i'd be nearly finished movie one at this stage so we you know we were you know we're we're in full production now on this movie. Uh, still not allowed officially say what it is. So, but I think a lot of people out there know what it is unofficially. Um, but there should be an announcement very, very soon about it. Um, it's, you know, it'll be announced. Um, Paramount are the distributor. So it'll be a very big worldwide release of a very well-known property. But the scope of the movie is, you know, it's, it's, it's a big theatrical feature. Um, so we've we've had to gear up for that, and and we certainly have had to grow our own talents. And we, we we've you know I certainly didn't come from a you know the feature background even you know 
I came from a CG background, um, but we've been able to bring in some homegrown talent um, from the TV side of things uh, and from you know, homegrown talent that had worked on features, bring some back, people back that had been abroad and then brought people in from around the world that did have that experience. Um, we've learned from them and it's been a fantastic experience. Uh, frustrating at times, but, you know, but it's been great. And we're, we're, there, we're, we're there at phase one, I would say. We're ready. We have got into production. We're a couple of sequences going through. It's all looking amazing. I think people will be uh, shocked uh, well, uh, in a good way <laughs> what we are producing here. Uh, I can't wait for them, people to see it and, and be surprised by the, the level and quality. Um, so it's it's still got a ways to go. It's not due for release until 2021. So it's still a good way to go. Um, so, you know, it's it's the, the future is bright in that respect. Um, part of, you know, unfortunately for me, I, I've actually, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, I, I've actually decided to leave and I, I'm moving on from Boulder. Um I've done what I was asked to do and set up the studio and we're in production and it's going through nicely. Uh, Phase two will be, we'll iron out the kinks, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be leaving um, in the end of September for the next adventure. I'm not confirmed what I'll be going on to next, but still, but, uh, but that's fine. And, you know, and, and, you know, Hey, I may come back again. And this is part of what I was saying. People, don't need to stay in any one studio uh, for the rest of our lives. And I think, you know, we've got to be open to that and people need to move on to the next adventure and move on and and then come back when yeah. the time is right. Um, and we're finding that ourselves, even with our crew, that we're here at the early stages. Some of them have moved on because they, you know, they said, oh, another opportunity is usually in sunnier climates. <laughs> and they go, oh, I got, uh, we had a lot of Spanish people and stuff like that as well who were here and they've gone, oh, well, I missed the sun. I'm going to go off and work this other place that has sunnier <laughs> climate. But, you know, you, we have to be able to adapt to that because we, we just can't pretend people are going to stay here forever. And there's no hard feelings in people like that. It's just you, you do your job while you're here and then you move on and, and then come back if, if the circumstances are right. So... Um, that's where Boulder is at the moment. Um, massive transition going on. We're, we're running out of space. <laughs> we're hopefully moving to a new studio very, very soon as well. So, you know, lots, lots of interesting times. Um, huge opportunities for people. We're looking for a lot of people in the next six months across the board. So, that, a- Anything you know, in particular you're finding it hard to get? Always, always, always finding it hard to get very technical people. We're not looking for so many of them now, but, you know, just people that have that sort of coding development, pipeline development background. Um, and that's one of the things that, we, you know, we've found we've really struggled with and we've had to think outside the box um, over the last couple of years. Uh, getting better. And, we, 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 you know, we, we've looked at, you know, sort of elsewhere, less than outside of the more traditional areas you might look at. So, hey, Trinity's next door to us. So we, we've raided Trinity a bit and gone, oh, do you know you might be able to have a career in animation? You know, and it's funny, you're, you're very clever people in there that, you know, doing computer science degrees and programming and stuff. And they'd never thought, oh, animation. I didn't think you didn't yeah. need that. So, it's like, you know, it's trying to even educate uh, schools and colleges that there is different types not everybody's an artist not everybody's an animator there's actually different sides to to animation um other areas that we find difficult uh we did 
find it very difficult to find groomers and then we had to explain what groomers were for a while because you know in the industry it's anything to do with hair and fur you know and you know the people were like what does what yeah you actually have to people that have to style it and create it and so, so yeah our project has a lot of hair and fur um so you know that was very hard to to find those people and we're we're in direct competition there with a lot of the vfx houses around the world so those things are are tricky um lighters we were using we went and used uh katana software it's a maya pipeline but katana for the back end with lighting and stuff like that and that was something new to ireland um relatively new to the industry but it's becoming you know kind of industry standard at, at the higher end but yeah try finding anybody that's had experience with it and it's like oh okay why did we make that decision but you know we, we've we've either trained people up or we you know we've we've found people out you know so we're working on that so but it, there there is always need just for for talented people out there you know everything from modelers all the way across to to uh, lighting animators animating the like the, we're work coming into the back end um departments now shop production so animators lighters and effects artists as well um we've got a we've we've built up a very good effects team now quite hard you know a lot of them are from very far away (laughs) but because again you are you are competing with people that want to blow up manhattan or a a foreign (laughs) planet uh uh, so you know our movie isn't that so it's you know the gentler effects but they're still high end and they're still very complex so you know and we're using houdini which is not a traditional uh package in ireland so we found it very hard to find people would experience that but again we've either trained people up or we've we've found them from around the world uh, and brought them in so yeah Um, another big area of which i would say is underestimated a lot is production staff you know it's it's often overlooked um but is can't run a studio without good production people. You know, they're the people that keep it moving, <laughs> keep things moving from department to department. So um, we have identified some great production people now. We have great production people, but it, it was tough. And um, we've still more roles to fill in that area because, again, the scope of this movie has meant that we still need a lot of people on the ground just moving those things around uh, on a daily basis. It's an aggressive schedule to get things out. So, you know, you can't have enough production people making sure everything's moving. (laughs) Uh, And guess what? You know, your shotgun software doesn't do it all for you, (laughs) unfortunately. It's not magic. No. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that's, that's bolder at the moment. And it's, you know, it's, 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 the future is very bright and the tv side of things which i'm not involved in but it, that's very busy it's it's like everything it, it shows come and go uh, up and down they they got to a huge peak of a you know um 300 approximately people over in the over the sandyman studio it's downsized a little bit but they're waiting for shows to come in but they're you know we are we're making shows for hasbro so they're not going to run out of ideas and an ip so it's you know the future is very bright there as well yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about the future of the animation industry in general? Well, I suppose like everybody asks like what what is the, what's the future of animation? Where is it going? Um and you know, you go to all these conferences, uh, the tech conferences anyway and you're kind of looking at the next big thing and you go, "Oh, wow." And they go, "Well, some of it I don't understand." And I'm going, "I don't know what that is." But, you know, I 
I have a different thought about technology and, and its role it plays in in the industry. So, you know, as I said, I didn't come from a, a traditional techno, technological, can't even say that word, but <laughs> background. So I don't have that sort of computer science background, but it, you know, it plays an important part. But I have always said it needs to help the creative. It needs to be a tool that pushes it along and knock it in the way. Um, and I found, I you know, over the last few years... Th- it can get in the way. I think some people get really tied up in the, the technical aspect and forget about the creative. Um, so I think that balance needs to be addressed. And, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's the technical is so expensive that, is, you know, people really do focus on it sometimes. But, I, you know, it's sometimes you just got to step back and go, OK, well, do you need that latest thing or do you need that? So, you know, really, what is the problem? How how do you get the best out of your artists? How do you best get the best out of your creatives? I think following on from that, I think the future will, you know, software will become more user friendly. Some of the software out there is impossible to use. And, it, you know, it's got a lot better. I remember, you know, version one and two of some of these softwares and they were, you know, you need, you did need a computer degree. So how do you, how are you supposed to get an artist or a creative to use these, these pieces of software? It's got way, way better. And I think as people grow up with them and as people that are, I suppose, developing them, um, listen to the artists as opposed to listen to their you know supervisor tell them no it's got to be this and it's got to be that no go talk to artists and that what do they actually need i think that's um i'm kind of getting excited about vr now Mm. uh but as a tool to help the creative um you know part when it first came out i i did think it was a bit of a fad and it was like another gimmicky thing i think now you've seen how they're using it in you know pre-visualization and you know i've just watched some of this the lion king stuff and how you know they were directing almost like it was a live action movie and with the vr previs i think that is going to be massive um it's still very expensive and and you need to have big setups for it but you know it starts at the big places and then it trickles down it becomes very affordable quite quickly for yeah so i think it's finding its its place um outside of just sort of the entertainment side of things uh, to become a really useful tool in the industry. Um, I, you know, the future for me as well as, you know, collaboration, you know, we've talked about how it's hard to get, you know, teams, crews, staff to travel the world and everybody's looking for it. I think we need to be more open to having, you know, staff members off-site working from a boat in the middle of the atlantic ocean or whatever you know we 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 need to find the talent and and utilize it but we can't expect people to all relocate to whatever city it is you are so i think you you we're finding this a lot and we've talked to lots of studios out there that are you know looking at how they can do this properly you know you talk to even some of the london studios and they you know they're even more squashed for space than we are and and you know the cost of accommodation so a lot of work i think and obviously the cloud the this big you know behemoth of a thing is is helping with that so um i think we're going to find more and more of that i think people will be more open to it um you, and you, you 
take note from other sort of multinational tech companies that, yeah, don't insist you have to be in the office at nine o'clock and clock in and clock out. Get your work done wherever you are, be you remote or, or not. And, and it's all about the end results. Um, I think there's going to be a huge shift to that because we, you know, I think that could be the solution to how do we attract people into the countries um, and worrying about accommodation, etc. You know, yeah, it's a good point. yeah, Dublin can only hold so many people at the end of the day, and you know we're going to run out of space at some stage. Um, and I can I can see you know from talking to other studios, they all have a similar problem. Um, I know Kilkenny have as well. <laughs> They're running out of accommodation for their people, but it's like it is. It's it, but it's not just Ireland. It really isn't. Um, um, and I, I, th- I think, you know, apart from that, everything is just just evolves into you know the the, the expectations and the standards just gets better and better and better. And I, I suppose you look at the visual effects industry and you see what's being produced for TV. You know, some of it's better than what you would expect to see in a feature film. You know, it's amazing. So obviously they've figured out how to do it on scale and at a price point now. Sure, you could argue that maybe there's they're just getting bigger budgets for the TV stuff, but they can't be getting that kind of bigger budget. So I think it's all about how do you make things more efficiently, and that I suppose is more about the scale of things and figuring out. And if you can share pipelines and share technology and learnings from the last thing, well, then all of a sudden it, it, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. So that I think you'll see more and more of that. So this, the, you know, the the level and the standards will continue to go through the roof. I think you know I, some of that, as I said, some of that TV stuff is just blows you away how they did it. Um, but in saying that as well, I I do feel the future holds. You know, for different types of animation, which is which is really nice to see. Two D is still alive and kicking. Stop motion is still kind of alive and kicking as well. And you know, I, but I think people will will always want to go that and i think it comes goes around in circles you know that they'll want to see that old style they get they'll get bored with photorealistic cg and they go is is that actually a real person or is it you know a cg person or is that you know that's very shiny that's an amazing realistic fur you put on that creature or whatever but i I, you know i just want an engaging story that's told in nice flat 2d because that's something different so i i think that's that's nice to see or money being put into that and people demanding to see some of that stuff which is great you know you, you know hey it's some of it's a lot simpler to produce than you know, some of these very complicated cg pipelines um but you know i started in 2d and i i've, I've always loved and you know sometimes yearn for the simplicity of that you know there's nothing better than a pencil and paper sometimes <laughs> it doesn't crash <laughs> you, know, you don't have to reboot it so uh, you know there's, there's no there's no undo though well very true yes <laughs> but and maybe after a couple of days you go oh, okay well that's that's no <laughs> maybe i don't want to go back to that but you know it, sometimes as i said and i suppose it goes back to the point that sometimes the technology just gets in the way of a really good idea um and it's like eh, okay so that's it you know i think as a as as a, a species, we're really good at thinking we can predict the future, and we keep going to these conferences and go, "Oh, in ten years' time, we'll all be going around hover cars and flying to the moon." And we're like, "Yeah, you know." You look back in history, and we're actually really bad at predicting the future. Yeah. If if we all could predict the future, we all bought shares in Apple and Spotify. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. 
there you go. So that I just think things will evolve, but it become easier for people to use some of this technology and be more flexible. Yeah, I think that's. I hope really so. Way. Yeah, I I do too because you know that commute into town every day is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I think we're running out of time. Um, can I just ask you if people want to look you up? Where can they find you? Yeah. So you know. Uh, as I said, I'm going to be leaving Boulder, but Boulder absolutely has a bunch of jobs. So, you know, go onto the Boulder website and there's it's listed there, be it 2D or 3D. So, that, you know, if you're looking for myself, um, probably the easiest way to find me now going forward is on LinkedIn. So, you know, I'm there, Brian Gilmore. <laughs> I don't think there's too many of us. Um, I must remember now to update my LinkedIn profile because <laughs> if I get some hits. But yeah, um, that that's kind of the the easiest way to find me now at the moment um and then just you you mentioned the boulder it's just boulder jobs is it or? the best way to do it is actually go to the website there is there's a couple of uh, there's movie jobs at bouldermedia.tv and i think there's jobs at bouldermedia.tv so obviously one's for the movie and one's just for generic jobs but they're the they're the email addresses but i would encourage people to check out what's on the website first and then certainly all the contact details are there yeah we'll have all the links in the description Thanks very much for coming on, Brownie. Really appreciate it. No, it was a, it was a pleasure talking to you guys. And uh, you know, it was actually I can't believe that was an hour. <laughs> but I did again. I've been known to ramble on <laughs> and not remember any of the things I talked about. <laughs> well, I'm sure people will appreciate it and enjoy yeah. it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the 3D Meetup podcast. If you have any suggestions for how we can improve the podcast or the meetup, we'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch at 3dmeetupdublin at gmail dot com. If you haven't already, join us on meetup.com to stay up to date about our upcoming events. If you're enjoying the show, please let us know by rating us on iTunes. And if you want to help us keep the lights on, please support us on buymeacoffee.com. I hope you enjoy the show, and I'll see you at the next meetup.